We cannot be surprised when people focus in on ideations, but what we absolutely unequivocally need to do is focus in on who God is. Hey everyone, it's Michael, and welcome to another message by Elevate Retake. Taylor's out this week, so I'm filling in for her, and I wanted to let you know about a bonus episode that we released just this past week. It's called Thoughts on the Capitol Protests, Jesus, and Hope with Russ Laughlin. I encourage you to check this episode out. Uh, Russ and I sit down and talk a little bit about our thoughts of what's transpired in the United States in the past couple weeks. And offer a little bit of hope and encouragement as we seek Jesus together. So check that out in your podcast feed. And hey, we want to hear from you. So if you got a response to that, um, give us a comment on our Instagram page at, at this is Elevate TX or send us a message link in the description of this episode. Today's message is entitled to know or not to know. Key text is found in Hosea chapter six, verse six, and it says this, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. And our key theme for today, well, that's this. God's utmost desire for his people is that they would know him. Welcome home, where there's always room for one more. Glad you're here this morning. It is a cold Texas day, isn't it? Drop below 32 degrees, and uh, we think that winter is upon us, right? Um, and maybe uh, some thoughts of snow coming tomorrow. I think that'd be really cool. Um, hopefully, everybody's able to travel safely and do what they need to do with their day. Glad you're here this morning. Those of you that are joining online, I don't know exactly which camera to look at because we had our middle camera go out this morning, but we're glad that you are here and joining us. And I know the view will look a little bit different, but we're glad you're here this morning. And for those of you that are joining us in person, I encourage you just to turn to the person next to you right now and say, hey, welcome home. There's always room for one more. All right, turn to the person to the other side of you. If you've got somebody else on the other side, go ahead and say, welcome home. There's always room for one more. Thank you for being here today. We're in the middle of a series called What Love Does, and it's a look at the book of Hosea. We're journeying through this book, a book that's often looked at for its only its, its first couple of chapters, and how God call, calls a specific man to love a specific woman. But there's so much throughout the book of Hosea that is prescient and so for us today in the world that we live in. Because, you know, this week was a little bit crazy, right, with the stuff that went on in our nation's capital, the riots that broke out, the violence that was there, totally uncalled for. But what I do know, that no matter who's in power now in this country, no matter who's in power in two weeks from now, God is still on the throne. Do you believe it? God is still on the throne, and it's in him that we can place our hope, the only one that we can place our trust. God is the one that we can stake our faith out in, come what may, in the coming weeks. And as we turn to Scripture this morning, the question was asked a moment ago, how does knowing God impact my life? How does knowing God impact your life? Does your knowledge of God, your understanding of who he is, your relationship with him, does that make a difference in your life? 
We're going to look at that this morning in the book of Hosea. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Hosea chapter 4. We're going to be in Hosea chapter 4, 5, and 6 today. We're covering, we covered three chapters last week. We're covering three chapters this week. Because I got to looking at it, I thought we were only going to do chapter 4, but I kept reading and said, hold on, there's a bigger thought here that we've got to look at in Hosea 4, 5, and 6. So as you're turning there, uh, I will begin in this way. I don't know if you've had this experience, but one of the most startling experiences to have when you introduce yourself to someone else, and they say, they call you by name before maybe you've even said your name, and they say, I know who you are. And there's that moment where you take a step back, your eyes are locked with that person, and you have no idea who that other person is. You've ever had that experience? Someone's come up to you and say, hey, how's it going, Michael? It's so good to see you. I know who you are. Uh, Who are you? (laughs) Could you, you give me a cute little hint? And some of us are really good at kind of playing it off and just saying, hey, brother. And at church, we can get away with it, right? Brother, sister, it's so good to see you. How are you this week, right? Yeah, be careful. Somebody called you brother or sister this morning. Just watch out. They may not know who you are. I remember a couple of years ago uh, when my wife Melissa and I were up at Andrews University in Michigan, uh, there was one particular worship leader that I was working with. And Some time went on, and uh, she would lead her praise team, and I've got mine. And then there was once, kind of towards the end, where she was going to be graduating from Andrews and moving on. And she said, hey, by the way, uh, did you attend this particular conference about four or five years ago, and were you at this particular table at this time? And I said, yes. (laughs) Who's asking? (laughs) And then she went on to say, hey, I was there too, and I just never could remember. We had known each other then by nine or ten months, I think it was. And she said, yeah, I was there too. And I was like, oh, yes, of course. And I remembered her. I remember her name. Isn't it the desire of our hearts to be known and to belong in a community with a group of people, right? But what's scary sometimes is when someone steps up and says, hey, I know you. And then we have to have a check in our spirit that says, do I know who this person is? is. And I normally save the big idea and the point that I want you to take away from today's message for the end, but today we're going to start with it. Is that okay? So then I can say prayer and then we can just move on. No, we've got a little bit more to look at, but here's the, here's the key today. If you leave with any, without anything else, this is what you need to leave with today. God's utmost desire for his people is that they would know him. God's utmost desire for his people is that they would know him. And with that thought in mind, we turn to the book of Hosea, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. And remember, as we're going through this series, when we see what love does, we can know who love is. So we pick the story up, Hosea chapter 4, verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord, O people of Israel. The Lord has brought charges against you, saying, There is no faithfulness, no kindness, no knowledge of God in your land. Verse 2. You make vows and break them. You kill and steal and commit adultery. There is violence everywhere, one murder after another. That is why your land is in mourning and everyone is wasting away. Even the wild animals, the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea are disappearing. God opens up a rebuke through Hosea toward the people of Israel. 
And remember, keep the experience of Hosea in the back of your mind as we're looking through this book. God has called Hosea to love a woman of harlotry, a woman who is unfaithful. Keep that in mind as we read through today's section of Scripture. God says there's no faithfulness, there's no kindness or knowledge of God in the land. People are lying, they're cheating, they're stealing, they're committing adultery. There's violence and there's murder after murder. The Hebrew scriptures in their truest sense say that bloody bodies are being stacked next to bloody bodies. And God tells Israel that their actions have caused this devastation. And here's what God says to his people. Hosea chapter 4, verse 4. Don't point your fingers at someone else and try to pass the blame. My complaint, God says, you priests is with you. Continues on in verse 5. So you will stumble in broad daylight and your false prophets will fall with you in the night and I will destroy Israel, your mother. In verse 6. My people are being destroyed because they don't know me. Since you priests refuse to know me, I refuse to recognize you as my priests. Since you have forgotten the laws of your God, I will forget to bless your children. What an indictment, right? Those are some strong words from God. But God is severely frustrated with his chosen people, Israel. God says, my people, hearkening back to Hosea's First daughter, his second child. Lo ami, my people, not my people. This is a play on words hearkening back to one of Hosea's children where God says, you're not my people any longer, but he still calls them my people. With a longing and a desire in their heart, no matter if they're faithless and they lie, they cheat and they steal and there's violence in the land, God says, you still are my people but you're being destroyed. Now, this passage would read a little bit different if it says they are destroyed. There's this sense that the destruction is ongoing, and there's something that continues to make the children of Israel be destroyed. One commentator puts it this way, their lack of spiritual integrity and faithfulness has undermined the cohesiveness of Israelite society, which has already turned in on itself in a self-destructive fashion. Might we be able to say that about America today? God says, they don't know me. That's God's chief complaint in the book of Hosea. That says, my people do not know who I am. If they knew who I was, they would live life a little bit differently. Now what does it mean to know? to be familiar with, to to understand, and to recognize, perhaps. Can you hear the longing and the calling in the God of love towards his people? You you don't know me. You don't know the God that I really am. If you look at my prophet Hosea, who's gone to love someone who's unfaithful, you would see my heart and my desire for you, my not people, my people who have been called by my name. The God of love reaches out, and he says it's simple. If you knew me, everything would be all right. Yeah, difficulties would come, but things would be okay. 
that you've decided to not know me. And in this passage, it's easy to catch the language and be like, oh, God's really upset with the priest because he talks a lot about the priest, right? He says, you priests refuse to know me. I refuse to recognize you as my priests. Since you have forgotten the laws of your God, I will forget to bless your children. Here's the thing. Israel in its inception, if we look back at Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, says that God speaking to Israel, you will be my kingdom of what? Priests, my holy nation. The New Testament will pick up on this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, and Revelation chapter 1, verse 6, speaking to the Christian church, you are a chosen people, you are royal priests. A holy nation, God's every, God's own possession. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God, his Father. The attention of God for Israel is that they would not singularly look at the people who held the office of priests, but realize as priests to God themselves, they represented who God is. And if we make that realization today, all of a sudden, Hosea comes into crystal clear focus that maybe, just maybe, the indictment that God gives in Hosea chapter 4 is directed back to his people today. Maybe have we lost our way? Are we being loved to other people? Are we seeing what love does so we can know who love is and show the world a demonstration of love? That casts out all fear. That doesn't work in the ways of violence, but that plods forth in peace. Something has gone incredibly wrong. And think about the implications. I want to share with you from Hosea chapter 4 and Hosea chapter 5. We don't have time to read every single verse today, but I want to give you a smorgasbord. I like that word, smorgasbord. Give you a platter of, well, it's kind of a disgusting platter now that I think about it. Because Hosea chapter 4 and Hosea chapter 5 have some of the harshest language of God towards his people. And this is going to be hard to hear, but keep in the back of your mind that God is faithful and God is love. But he still has some harsh words for his people. Hosea chapter 4 verses 7 through 9. Read this way. The more priests there are, the more they sin against me. They have exchanged the glory of God for the shame of idols. He continues on. When the people bring their sin offerings, the priests get fed. So the priests are glad when the people sin. And what the priests do, the people also do. So now I will punish both priests and people for their wicked deeds. Hosea chapter 4 verse 12. They ask a piece of wood for advice. They think a stick can tell them the future. Longing after idols has made them foolish. They have played the prostitute serving other gods and deserting their God. Verses 17 and 18 of Hosea chapter 4 read this way. Leave Israel alone because she is married to idolatry. When the rulers of Israel finish their drinking, off they go to find some prostitutes. They love shame more than honor. And in Hosea chapter 5 verse 4. God speaks these words. Your deeds won't let you return to your God. You are a prostitute through and through. You do not know the Lord. And verses 11 through 12 of Hosea chapter 5 say this. The people of Israel will be crushed and broken by my judgment. 
because they are determined to worship idols. I will destroy Israel as a moth consumes wool. I will make Judah as weak as rotten wood. These are the frustrations of an angry God. He says, my people aren't representing who I am. And they keep turning to this God and to that. They pick up a stick and think the stick will talk to them when they have access to the God of the universe. What implications abound today? And in God speaking through Hosea, says, this is what a nation looks like when there is no knowledge of God. This is what a nation looks like when there is no knowledge of God. And we think back over the events of this past week and of everything that's gone on in 2020 and what's come up to this point. Should we be surprised of what we are seeing? I don't think we can be. And even more so, shall we ask the question, is there something going on in my life that would make God speak these words towards me? We have to reckon with that. Are there things in my life that are causing me to be destroyed? And let me put this out on record first off. There's nothing that I can do looking towards you to call you out with judgment because of this, that, and the other thing. Because maybe those same things are destroying me as well. So before we turn to the person to our left and right and acknowledge in their lives, hey, you've got this going on, you've got that going on, maybe we need to turn back and look at our own hearts first. And when our hearts are transformed with love, then we're able to love our neighbor no matter what they look like and no matter what they're involved in. The love of God transforms us to be able to accept them just as they are. And love them with unconditional, unmerited love that God extends toward us. I wonder what the world would look like if we made that true today. And here's the thing. These are harsh words, right? God's not done with his people because here's the response that's elicited from Hosea after God shares these harsh words. This is what he says. Hosea chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Come, let us return to the Lord He has torn us to pieces. Now he will heal us. He has injured us. Now he he will bandage our wounds. In just a short time, he will restore us so that we may live in his presence. Oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of rains in early spring. This is Hosea speaking to the children of Israel. He's speaking in that kind of common language of the, the second person. Let us come back to the Lord. But think for a moment the experience that Hosea has gone through. As he has loved his wife, though she's gone back and forth between him and prostitution. And he has had to extend quite an effort to bring him back, bring her back into his home. Hosea says, I know the living God. I know the loving God. And I know... Children of Israel, if we will turn back towards God, he will accept us and love us. God, through centuries, extends the echoes of love and grace and mercy to us today. May we be a people of God who turn back to him when we fall. And it's daily. We've got to do it every day. 
going back to God and laying our burdens and our struggles and the things of this world at his feet so that we might be able to pick up the cross of love and carry that and show the world who Jesus is. God's not done speaking to his people. After Hosea has, has, has beseeched, we don't use that word often, too often anymore, right? But maybe Bible language we can use it. Hosea beseeched the people of God. And here's what God had to say. Oh, Israel and Judah, what am I going to do with you? Anybody ever said, said that to you? They mean it like the loving, loving way, right? And like, whatever am I going to do with you? For you, lo- your love vanishes like the morning mist and disappears like dew in sunlight. Verse 5. I sent my prophets to cut you to pieces, to slaughter you with my words, with judgments as inescapable as light. And I want to pause here for just a moment. God has been faithful to warn his people about what right living looks like about how they should operate in this world. And he says, I'm sending my word to you, and it cuts deep. The author of Hebrews tells us the Bible is a double-edged sword that's sharpened to cut and distinguish between bone and marrow. When we come to a realization of who we are in light of who God is, that can hurt. But look how God responds to his people in Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. When God looks at the children of Israel, he says, what am I going to do with you guys? What am I going to do? Here we go again. All I need you to do is to love others and to know me, to know me and to love others, and I'll make up all the difference. Now be sure we need to follow our convictions and what God has placed in our heart of our beliefs and our lifestyle and the way we live, that is fantastic. But I cannot be presumptuous to assume that what God has called me to, he has called you to also in the particulars. And as we look at the people around us, as we see what's going on in our world that is becoming or knowing God less and less, We cannot be surprised when violence rises up. We cannot be surprised when people focus in on ideations. But what we absolutely, unequivocally need to do is focus in on who God is. When we as a people of God band together and show the world who God is, a God of love, a God of peace, a God of acceptance, the world will know Jesus. God's desire for his people is that we would know God. It happens a couple times a week. Melissa goes to work at the hospital. It's been an interesting nine or ten months as she's gone to the hospital and cases have been rising and just something that we've kept in prayer. God's been faithful to keep us healthy. But every day she comes home from work, I get a phone call. She lets me know, hey, I'm on the way home. And as soon as I answer the phone, I can know instantly whether it's been a good or a bad day. Those of you that are married, significant others, or with your family, you get a phone call from someone, you can know instantly by the tone of voice whether something's wrong or something is going well. And I know exactly what I need to prepare for supper or to have ready when she gets home to make sure we're going to have a good night, right? 
What if we, as a people of God, when God speaks, we know exactly how to respond? That when God's echoes of love and grace and calling that he's placed on our lives, what if we pick up that phone call from Scripture, a text message from the Word, and know exactly how to respond? Does knowing God have an impact on your life? Does a knowledge of who God is, seeing what love does, knowing who love is, does it affect how you live your everyday life? Because I think in some ways there are some people that carried some banners this week in the name of Jesus that don't represent him well. And our world needs to know who Jesus is. You know, I'm afraid sometimes if we just removed our and speak to myself in this, my regular attendance at what we call Elevate, our, our Sabbath morning gathering, if I remove that from my life, would people still know that I walk in the ways of Jesus? Would people still know that I know and serve a living and loving God? This world is longing to know something. How does knowing God impact my life? Does it make a difference in the lives of the people around me? Does it make a difference in my family? For Hosea, it made a big difference. For the children of Israel, it made an even bigger difference. The question that lingers in my mind as we've looked at this example from Hosea is where do we go now? Okay, Michael, that's great exhorted some scripture, exposited some, some pieces of, of divine inspiration. But what does this look like on a practical level? Well, to finish up today, I want to take you to two words from Jesus found in the book of John. You can turn there with me if you'd like. They'd also be on the screen. John chapter 14, verses 34 and 35 say this. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. Do you hear the language hearkening back to Hosea? Go love this woman just as I am loving the children of Israel. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Jesus says unequivocally without a doubt, share love to those around to your neighbor that's sitting next to you in these pews, but more importantly, to the people that will never darken the doors of this building. To those that you interact with on a daily basis, how are you showing them love? A smile, a phone call, a text message, something that extends the grace of God to them. And then Jesus says this, John chapter 15, verse 4, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. God's utmost desire is that his people would know him. And Jesus says in John chapter 15, using language of the vine and the vine dresser, he says, when, when you're in me, I'm in you. When you seek to know me, I get to know you better. When we seek God together, individually and collectively, we get a better picture of who God is. And when we see what love does, we can know who God is. How can we be agents of grace and mercy in this day and age? 
how can we bear the banner of peace and love to a world that's longing for healing and hope? So I encourage you today, however it is for you, take some time to get to know God. Open up this love letter to you. I suggest starting the book of Hosea. Talking with Isaac last week, and he was like, man, I started chapter one, and I was just going to read to chapter three, but I couldn't put the book down. Because every time I turned around, God is loving his people. Take some time today. Set aside the, the newsreel, the social media feed, and get to know God. Because I think at the end of the day, when all of this shakes loose, what will divide those at the end is a knowledge of God and a love for others. And when we see what love does, we can know who love is. I hope this message challenged you. Uh, I know it did for me this week. I spent a lot of time in prayer and study, trying to figure out what God would have me say to you. So thank you for listening. If you want to have a deeper look at this message, we have what we call a retake. That's kind of the premise of this whole podcast. So we take this message and we retake it. We go back, dissect it, look at different elements, and try to have a better understanding. Taylor's out this week, so I sit down in the studio with Emily Weaver and Kyle Barrow. Emily Weaver is our media director right here at the Keene Church, and Kyle Barrow is a junior theology major at Southwestern Adventist University. I know you're not going to want to miss this episode of Elevate Retake. So subscribe. Hey, and if you're on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, you know, we'd love for you to leave a rating uh, or a comment. It just helps our message get out to other people. And you can be a part of that. And we also want to hear from you. If you've got something that you want to say, go ahead, leave us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you. Click the link in the description and uh, give us your comments or questions on this episode. And last but not least, you can connect with us on Instagram over at, at this is Elevate TX or Elevate Retake. Elevate Retake is produced by Inspire Productions. Its executive producers are myself and Jonathan Coker. Our sound mixing, editing, design, all things that make this be able to come to your ears is done by Shane Neosi. Special thanks to the Elevate lead team for all their contributions to this podcast as well. And we sure want to thank 88.3 The Journey, our local radio station, for aiding us in this process.